Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 81 of Impact Boom. My name is Tom Allen, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Melita and Johnny Shirley. Melita and Johnny are co-founders and directors of Momojo, a social enterprise that design and produce breastfeeding-friendly and core-supportive activewear, or lactivewear, if you will, for new mothers. They're passionate about removing barriers and empowering mothers, and use the proceeds from the sale of their range to support initiatives that address maternal and infant health issues around the world. So on today's podcast, we'll discuss Johnny and Melita's journey as they share their experience in working to set up the social enterprise, particularly from the perspective of balancing this with a young family. We'll get their insights into the best way to approach partnerships, and we'll get their tips and advice on starting new social enterprises. Melita and Johnny, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for having us. So to kick things off, could you guys please share a bit about your backgrounds and what led you on this journey of starting up Momojo and the Lactivewear range? Of course. So I guess by way of background, I started out in media. So as a journalist initially, mm-hmm. moved into a lot of sort of corporate communications type roles and then into various corporate affairs type roles. So I did a lot of community relations, yep. um, set up a lot of partnerships for large corporates and also worked in Indigenous relations. So that's a little bit about my background. Mm. I've been in Australia here since about 2002. I came over on a working holiday visa and planning to stay a year. Ended up staying much longer than that. Travelled around an $800 Ford Falcon panel van and ran out of money in Brisbane. (laughs) So I haven't haven't moved too far since then. I'm an engineer. I've worked as an engineer for most of my career. And uh, but three very lucky events uh, occurred to us that that I guess woke us up from our kind of engineering corporate kind of roles. What happened? Uh, well, I was cycling to work one morning and a car reversed out in front of me and knocked me off my bike. And I broke my neck uh, and my arm, and I was uh, very lucky in in one of the less than five percent of people that have had no neurological damage from the break that I had. Mm. And the very day that I got home from hospital, uh, there was a big storm came through Brisbane, end of November 2014, and our house was hit by lightning and went on fire. And <laughs> if the wake wasn't bad enough. So it was a fairly dramatic time. It was a, it was a bit of a crazy time. Mm-hmm. Um, you wouldn't read about it. But we uh, managed to keep the fire under control until the fire brigade got there. And they put it out fully uh, and we were going, what, what have we done? And we said, there must be a third thing. Uh, and unbeknownst to us, um, our second son, Jack, was was inside Melita at the time and his head sutures had fused prematurely. So he had a rare skull condition. And this became apparent when he was born three or four months later. Mm. And we brought him to Texas when he was five weeks old 
to have pioneering surgery and it worked out to be a great success. So I, well. I guess the bottom line is we had three very significant events, three very lucky occurrences and I had a lot of time to think, especially after uh, recovering from a broken neck mm. and we decided we needed to do something with this good fortune. You know, not everybody is as fortunate as we are. We also wanted to take a bit more control of our lives and, you know, at the directions that we were, we were taking and we decided we should set up a business mm. and um, Melita was uh, currently breastfeeding Jack at yeah. the time and yeah I guess I was struggling with finding suitably you know comfortable clothing that I could mm. be active in but also breastfeed my starving infant <laughs> uh, who needed to eat you know every all day yeah. exactly and, you know, we identified there was a real gap in the market. There was nothing available in that sort of line that was stylish and didn't look like something that my nana would wear. Mm. So we thought, well, you know, what if we designed a range that we could, A, support mothers here to kind of, you know, live that active life that they want to live, yeah. but also use the proceeds then to support mothers around the world who are, you know, facing far greater challenges than that. Mm. So Momojo was born. Momojo mm. was born. Pardon the pun. So, um, yeah, I guess fundamentally yeah. we exist to remove barriers and empower women. We know that motherhood can be isolating. You know, mm. I personally, I know that I struggle, particularly after my first baby, mm. um, returning, you know, to an active life when you've got a, a child that you're learning how to care for and yeah. um, learning how to breastfeed, and it can be quite an isolating experience. Huge challenge. Absolutely. And, you know, I think new mothers really need those connections. They need to be active. There's so many benefits associated with that, and we just felt that breastfeeding should not be a barrier to, to doing those mm. things. So that was the original kind of impetus behind the range. So it took a couple of years of, you know, designing the garments and refining them and ensuring that they were the quality that we were looking for. Mm. A lot of our fabrics are made from things like recycled fishing nets, old carpets, things like that. So there was a real environmental focus with the range as well. Mm -hmm. And then I guess, you know, we wanted to help mothers around the world. You know, maternal mortality rates in developing countries are absolutely appalling mm. there are countries where rates as high as one in 30 women will die um, from pregnancy or, or childbirth largely in developing countries and yep. largely from completely preventable causes mm. uh, and we just thought this is this is totally unacceptable this is not a statistic that we would accept in this country so we really wanted to address that um, around the world so every time somebody makes a purchase from our range, we donate a birthing kit to a vulnerable woman around the world mm -hmm. so that she can have a clean and, and safer birth. And birthing kits are really very, very simple packs that yep. contain very simple items like gloves and soap mm -hmm. and a plastic sheet, um, yep. very, very basic items that can have a profound impact yep. on both that mother and, and her baby. So where do these kits end up at the moment? So we have a partnership with the Birthing Kit Foundation and they have a lot of field partners that work globally in identifying and delivering those kits to, yep. you know, people in need. So there's a particular focus, Papua New Guinea, 
there's a, a big focus around Southeast Asia mm. and also a lot of African countries. Yeah. Uh, so they deliver, you know, in, in partnership with their field partners to the areas where there's greatest need. Mm, fantastic. Well, I'm sure you've come up against a lot of barriers when setting this up, right? Because it, yeah. I'm sure it hasn't been an easy task. So what have been some of these biggest barriers until now and how have you navigated your way around them? Yeah, you're right, Tom. We've, we've, <laughs> there's been plenty of uh, barriers and we're... We're still navigating our way around them. We certainly don't have all the answers and, uh, you know, we're relatively young. So mm. we're trying our best to get our name out there. Um, probably our exposure is one of our biggest uh, challenges. Um, you know, we've had some really good feedback on our products. The customers have been very positive about mm. them. Um, we've had we've won some awards and obviously being on the Impact Boom program has been really good for us as well. Mm. But we still want to get our name out there uh, as much as possible. I think something that we didn't understand when we started out is, uh, you know, how much effort and how much you need to put into trying to keep getting your name out there. And that's something that, you know, is, is something that we're still navigating our way around. Mm. Uh, we've tried uh, lots of different ways of marketing and we, we are honing in on the ones that, that seem to work best for us. But yeah, um, yeah we're... It's a work in progress. Absolutely. I mean, and just doing this with three kids, three young boys you guys have at home, and I really deeply respect that ability to balance family life with setting up a mojo. It's a, it's a big task. So what advice would you give to other social entrepreneurs who have young children and who are starting out on this journey? Don't do it. Um, <laughs> Full no, stop. I guess, yes. Step one, if you haven't already had your children... Start your social enterprise first. Mm. If that ship has sailed, um, I guess, yeah, this is something that we struggle with every day, I suppose. There's just never enough hours in the day. But something that I think we have found works well is to have an element of sort of planning and, you know, a bit of a framework around what you do so yeah. that when you do get those elusive few minutes to get some work done, that you're actually focused on the right activities that you, you you know you are prioritizing effectively so that mm -hmm. you can continue to move forward yeah uh, i think sometimes when it's all a bit crazy and people are being knocked out in the room next door you can kind of focus on just what's in front of you so i think you know having a bit of a clear idea of what the priorities are makes you a little bit more effective and i think that we kind of tag team a yeah. little bit so like mm. if it's something that requires technical know-how or something to do with the website or the operations side of things that's you know mm. when i would probably you know need the time to do it melita takes baby hugo and if it's yeah. something that melita is concentrating on i take the baby um but i'd also add in you know sleep is is uh, a huge uh, hugely important thing and it's amazing how productive you can be when mm. you've well rested so it's it's really challenging when you've got that little bit of time but you're really tired and, and you can't make it productive so that's yeah. something that we really try and focus on as well as you know even uh you know making sure we get uh, as much sleep as we can yeah <laughs> sleep what Who is knew? sleep i know <laughs> new parents will say exactly the same thing i'm sure mm. who knows so guys it's been an absolute pleasure to watch you continue to develop during our elevate accelerator and Something which is really admirable is, is the fact that you guys are now already shipping globally around the world. And so I'm sure there's been some great lessons that you've learned from that. So what is it that you wish you knew uh, right at the beginning of starting this process? So we've, we've, we've got a lot from the Impact Boom Elevate Plus program. 
but so, something specifically that we thought that we should would have got a lot out of if we had have uh, chased it at the beginning was crowdfunding. When you're starting out a business, there's so many things that you've got to consider and so many approaches to doing mm. things and you just can't do them all. And crowdfunding is one we put, put um, down the line a little bit. But having seen how it can be effective and, and understanding it now a bit better, I think it is something that we probably should have done. It would have mm. helped us now in, in a, with a bit better cash flow. Mm. Um, and it's something that we would consider going forward. Mm. So that's that's one. And, and the other is, I think there's a, a propensity, and this is something that I got out of the, uh, an alt MBA that I did with Seth Gordon as well, is that, um, you know, you can, when you're starting a business, you just don't know where to start sometimes. Mm. And you can wait till you have everything ticked off and you know everything about everything, and but you'll never actually get there. So yeah. mm-hmm. the most important thing is just to start. And that's probably uh, the biggest take takeaway from both the Elevate Plus and actually the Alt MBA is, is, is you know you won't change anything by planning. Mm. Um, planning is good to a sense, but in in a sense, it's just guessing, mm. especially when it's a new venture or a new enterprise. Yeah, and you just need to get out there and get started, and you need to work it out as you go along because. Yeah. Otherwise, it just won't happen. Mm. I think that's something just to reiterate. I really struggled with having a a bit of a perfectionistic nature perhaps going I'm not happy to put this out until I am 150% happy and I've really had to kind of change that approach to saying you know what let's just get it out and let's start getting feedback and that's more important than you know never ever ever being fully happy with Mm. it so that's something that I have learned along the way as well which would have been useful yeah, probably from the beginning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's something you know now. You, there you carry go. forward. I'm incorporating that every day. <laughs> so, in your experience, then, I mean, you you have a couple of partnerships at the moment. Hmm. What is the best way to approach partnerships or collaborations with large nonprofits or charities in the health sector or other sectors? Yeah, sure. I think fundamentally there needs to be a natural kind of alignment between the hmm. organisations. Uh, I think if you try to force a partnership where there isn't that that nice sort of alignment it just doesn't work yep. so for example for us we have a partnership obviously with the birthing kit foundation and you know we're very clearly aligned in in our objectives yep. and i think that that's also a really key point is all parties in the partnership need to be well aware of what the other parties are trying to get out of this relationship yep. and so it's great to formalize those into you know some sort of a memorandum of of understanding at least or um, some sort of partnership document where those KPIs are really clearly articulated because the reality is everyone wants everyone to succeed and you have to be upfront about what it is that Mm. you you want out of this relationship Um, and I think that that's critical to you know to the success of of any partnership regardless of who the parties are. Mm. So that alignment yeah, absolutely. And then I guess communicating is, is really important as well, ensuring that you're all on track to meet your KPIs and, and the things that um, you know, you're setting out to achieve. Mm, that's really good insights there. So other inspiring projects, other inspiring initiatives, which ones do you guys really feel inspired by yeah. that you've come across recently? This is just one I just saw the other day, actually. I was reading about Ecodome, I don't know how the pronunciation, you could probably say that a lot better than me, Tom, but it's a Mexican company that's basically turning plastic waste into homes. Mm. I was really blown away by this because 
you know, obviously we have a huge problem with plastic waste yep. in the world. And these guys can actually build a house for about $300. So they're really supporting, you know, low-income earners in, um, in Mexico. And $300, that's my kind of mortgage. So I'm thinking potentially <laughs> they need to come here. <laughs> Sounds like a great initiative. Yeah, it's really, it looked really interesting. Yeah, when you consider that there's a floating garbage patch of plastic and other items in the Pacific that's mm. bigger than Germany, France and Spain put together. Yeah. You know, anything to do with that's reducing true. plastic and, you know, reusing it is, is a good initiative. Yeah. And I hope that down the track that that's the way that business goes. I mean, I think it is, but, you know, hopefully in 20 years' time, you know, all businesses are social businesses yeah. because there's so many issues like this in the world that we need to solve if mm. we want to keep living here. Yeah. Why not? Why not make successful businesses that actually have an impact? Why is this not just a part of every business, right? Exactly. So to finish off then, what are a few books that you'd recommend to our listeners? The three books that I and that we got a lot out of, um, The Art of Possibility by Rosamund Zander and Benjamin Zander. Um, it's an, a fantastic way to look at life. I, if anyone has read it, they'll understand, and I would recommend it to anybody, not just social entrepreneurs. Uh, for example, somebody, there was a story about two salesmen who went to Africa in the 1900, early 1900s and reported back to the UK and one of them sent back a telegram saying, a situation hopeless, no one here wears shoes and the other one sent back a telegram saying, oh fantastic opportunity, nobody here wears shoes. <laughs> so it's just a, that's very much how the whole book is framed and you know, I would I would reread it and reread it, mm -hmm. um, and fantastic from that regard. Another one, uh, and these are two that I was exposed to on Seth Godin's Alt MBA. Yeah, uh, was a beautiful constraint um, by Adam Morgan and Mark Barden. Uh, it's how you know constraints are actually good for creativity, mm. uh, and it's really helped shift my focus in in terms of when I need to think of a creative solutions to problems. Uh, constraints are not bad, they're actually very good mm -hmm. and help you foster that creativity. Yeah. And then rework by, by Jason Fried. It's very practical advice on starting up and why, uh, I think as I alluded to earlier, planning is often just guessing. Yeah. Um, and it's just about getting and doing things, but also little uh, bits of advice uh, about funding and you know why that's not necessarily what you should be chasing but a very practical uh, uh, advice on how things work in small business and growing businesses mm. and I just wrote down there Kate Mays um, if you're looking for something to keep your kids occupied she's written a very funny book called The Bum Book which is hours of fun for the whole family <laughs> sounds like I've got my hands on this hysterical mm. our boys go crazy for it every single time Excellent. So if you need a few spare minutes, go and pick up the bumble. <laughs> keep the kids entertained anyway. Excellent. Well, I'll stick links to all those books at the bottom of the article. Lita and Johnny, thank you so much for sharing your experience and time and insights today. It's been a pleasure to talk to you both, and I'll certainly look forward to seeing the Momojo journey carry forward and you guys continue to make an impact. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, it's been a pleasure. Tom. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.
Thank you.